Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 13th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. Uh, I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week on the podcast, we have some trades to catch up on. Uh, Dion Phaneuf to Ottawa. And, well, I guess I assumed I was talking about a trade, but I meant to include Dustin Bufflin's re-signing. Um, and potential trades that this Winnipeg... Yep, and uh, some potential trades Winnipeg might make. Uh, we will discuss the Steven Stamkos situation and uh, a little bit of Pittsburgh Penguins stuff. So um, I guess we'll lead off with the uh, Ottawa and Toronto switching or swapping for Dion Phaneuf and a bunch of ca- Ottawa's kind of cast-off defensemen. It's funny. I've I got to listen to the to the press conference of of Murray and then his interview he had on Hockey Central the day after and he keeps trying to say this was a hockey trade this was a, this wasn't a hockey trade this was Ottawa being able to get rid of some salary for a couple of years and getting rid of Jared Cowan more so than it was I think bringing in Dion Phaneuf yeah, like they do need help on the back end but he's not the help they need on the back end they need someone mobile that can skate and he can't anymore yeah, um, but Phaneuf makes seven mil, so it's not like they're clearing that much money. They are over the next two years. I think they save a total of around about four mil next year and the year after. I think that's what they save because of the contracts that they, they ship, the amount of volume that went money-wise the other way. That's what they save. That's what Murray has to deal with, is that internal salary cap that that's imposed on him. Phaneuf has one, two, three. Five more 75 years. Million, 75 million years left. He's got five more years left. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so, I I don't know. I don't I don't think I would have done it if I were Ottawa. I think I would have found oh, another way to shed that salary if you had to. But for Toronto, I like it a lot. Um, it makes a lot of sense for them. That's oh, beautiful for Toronto. They um, they're starting to clear more and more space, which for a rebuilding team like they are, that's great. And it gives you options to go after, you know, bigger name players, i.e., Steven Stamkos. Um, or, you know, even if it doesn't go that way, it it's just nice to have money to spend and not be locked into bad veteran contracts. They're kind of I, almost eliminated, all of them. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing that Toronto fans and the Toronto front office need to realise, though, is now that you've got all that cap space, if the player that you want isn't out there, don't just spend it anyway. They don't have a need to be at the top of the cap at the moment. They don't have to be rubbing up the top end of it. This timing is probably pretty good for Toronto clearing all this cap space because – there might be some cap teams that are going to have to shed a contract because of the salary cap not increasing as far as everyone's hoping because of that Canadian dollar. Yeah. So, with Phaneuf in Ottawa, it'll it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he gets with Carlson. Shouldn't they just stick with Method with him? Like... I thought they they played well together. I mean, I know Carlson's an island, but they, they you know did. What I mean? 
but well, not they, so much this year. I think Mathad is hurt. Oh, okay. But then that's the thing. I'm just I'm a bit shaky on. Like he has a nagging thing, or at least I thought yeah. I read that somewhere. But you can't play Fanouf as a two because he still ends up having to play against the other team's top players. You, you need to play him as a three and a four. And I haven't and, watched Ottawa since the trade, so I don't even know if they've changed their power play to kind of accommodate Dion Fanouf, whereas they should not change a, a, a damn thing about getting Eric Carlson the puck. Yeah, it, it should all still run through 65. It's Yeah, it is funny how it... It's, it's really, really hilarious listening to Murray talk about what Fanouf brings to Ottawa. And you sit there and just go, they're all just talking point words. Like, I, I, I've suddenly coming to the conclusion that these people just tell us what the media want to hear. Leadership, grit good locker room guy, all those sorts of... They can't legitimately still believe that they're the things that you want to pay $7 bucks for a defender for. Do you know what I mean? Like, surely there's more to this trade than trying to help out the room and, and stabilise the defence. Like, I just... I can't believe that's how it's still run. But who knows? I could be wrong. I don't think they truly believe all that, but what are they going to say when they acquire no. in a, in a trade believe, like that? Yeah. I can then forgive that. I can then get there and go, if if they're just going to say it because they're the platitudes that everyone expects them to run with, um, but they think differently behind the scenes, you're not going to want to give away your trade secrets, you know, to everybody. So, yeah, stick with the platitudes. You just get there, though, with some of these general managers and they feel like they're really slow to change the way they think. And has that happened? Has it happened? I don't know. I suppose we'll find out in a couple of years. But it's, it's hard with a team like Ottawa because... They they have that internal salary cap that they have to take care of. Like I remember Murray saying in the in the um, interview that this wasn't a salary thing. You know, I've got cap space. I can, I'm allowed to spend it if it makes my team better. No, he can't. If he could do that, he'd have gone out and got himself that left winger that he needs. Yeah, he's not fooling anybody with that. Ooh. Exactly. So the Leafs are. Down to, I don't know, one, maybe two quote-unquote bad contracts or ones that they would probably be okay getting rid of. Uh, Lupul and maybe Bozak. But everything See, else is... Lupul's, I still think Lupul's movable if you can get if you can get him healthy for the trade deadline. I still think someone who does need help offensively who's going to make the playoffs will take that contract. Really? You might retain... The least one have to retain, but that's okay for the next couple of years for them because by the time that retention comes off their books, that's when they'll be looking to to pony up for some of these young guys. I don't know if they can retain. Are there only X amount of contracts you can retain for? Like this, this two. is the thing. There's you can only retain for two contracts. That's it. One's Kessel. Yep. They didn't for Finoff. So buyout for Gleason. Or maybe they are retaining on somebody. If you can only retain for two, then I see. I didn't realize that there was that cap on retention, so that changes my opinion of that altogether. Then, if that's the case, they do try to make this complicated, don't they? Yeah. So I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I I think it's two, and I can't tell based on what I'm looking at right now if Carl Gunnarsson's two hundred thousand is a retention or a straight up buy. Well, yeah. I think it's yeah. probably a retention. But yeah, I um, if they're he's in it, a... then that's good. Yeah, the point you're making's still relevant. They're in a great spot. They got Grabner coming off the books for three mil. They got Sean Matthias coming off for two point three. Spalling off two point two. Uh, Roman Polak two point seven five. I mean, I read I read somewhere that I think the actual active roster of the Leafs' last game totaled twenty six million or something like that. Yeah, I think I saw the same thing. Yeah. And Incredible. you just go, holy mother of God, technically they're below the cap floor. Like, that's just... It, like it showed you, mil. Yeah, exactly. And look, I, I was reluctant to... I didn't think having Lamorello as the head honcho at the Leafs was a very good idea. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens when pulling something apart generally tends to be easier than building it back up. So... You know, Edmonton's a good example of the struggles they've had in regards to trying to do that. The challenge now for this front office will be, say they end up with Austin Matthews at this at this draft. Do or, or they, any of the two Finnish dudes. Yeah, so say they end up with any of those three guys, do they stick it out another year or do they go hard for Stamkos and then the year after go hard for Hedman? And and turn themselves into the Toronto Lightning. But do you... like? I'll be interested to see what their patience is in regards to the turnaround because they'll have all that cap space. They could try and rush it if they wanted, but maybe having another bad year and getting one more top five pick might be the better way to go. So that's the bit that I'm interested in when they do think, when's the switch to start spending money silly on things? That will be interesting. Will they have the discipline to kind of time it right? It, that that will be fascinating to watch. I don't think forward. it's discipline. I, I don't think that's discipline. I, I think that's just I, I think that's just a gut feel. That's one of those general manager gut feel things that there's no there's no statistical thing that you can rely on. It's like, do we believe in the young core that is unproven at the moment to be good in three years' time? At what point do we have to add? quality free agents to that group of to that core group to suddenly become a quality team like you can see the Sabres have got a lot of good stuff going on but they've still got parts that are missing it's like the hard part for Terry Murray is is working out when do I start throwing money at people that are going to be here for the time that we're good that's the hard part that's the bit that Edmonton got really wrong (laughs) yeah although they did get something really right with Connor McDavid and his um, they got five nothing points. right. It's, <laughs> it's just like it's just like Pittsburgh got nothing right. They got lucky. They got Malkin and Crosby together like two years in a row. Edmonton did did nothing right. They didn't even try to lose that badly to get that pick. Like that's the thing. Buffalo did something right and tried to lose badly to get that pick. So even when Edmonton aren't trying to be bad, they got rewarded. But McDavid was ridiculous. Oh, he's unreal five points on their five goals 
nice guy that he is had an, a shot at an empty net for a hat trick and passed it to Everly so he could get his first hat trick. Careful, you might get Everly traded away if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. We'll have to do an Oilers podcast because they could we be interesting. Have, we we may have to steal the uh, the PDO podcast's adopt a team theory through the year and pick a team and just focus on them for one podcast. I think you might be right, Gunnar. Yeah, Edmonton will be a good one. Um, but back to your Toronto thing of uh, talking about when, when to go after it, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, who knows? Like, you just How do you know? Like That is one of those gut feel things. That's what makes and breaks the general manager's reputation, I suppose. Well, I suppose we can bring the elephant in the room in and just... Yeah, Steven Stamkos, yes or no? If I'm Toronto, I don't know. I'm gonna, f- I am going to split myself in half on the fence on this. I, I don't know. I've gone backwards and forwards trying to work out what I think just Tampa should do. Full stop. Like, should they keep him and then let him walk? Um, should they trade him away and get something back for him? Like, I just, I look at the way this whole thing's been that. No trade clause kicked in this year only. It wasn't like they couldn't do anything with him last year or over the draft or, you know what I mean? Like they had options. Eisenman's put himself in this situation. Stamkos holds all the cards. I, I don't know what Tampa should do, but I also then look at... I, I think Stamkos' decision comes down to where, where Toronto ends up in the draft order. That's what I think it comes down to. Yeah, um... Tampa is not in a great spot with that. Um, but when you said they, Iserman last year they didn't have a no-trade clause, I just don't think it was realistic to move him last year with the team that they had. No, but you could have done it after the cup run. You could have done it at the draft. You could have tried to restock. Uh, like, yeah. If, if, if they're sitting there saying we're comfortable with the triplets line and we want to stick with those three because three is better than one, and I'm fine with that logic. If you're going to stick with that logic, when you've got flexibility to trade Stamkos anywhere in the league, do it then. Don't wait until whenever it is that the ticks over that the no trade clause comes into play and then all of a sudden you've lost all control. He has all the cards. Like I give, give Eisenman credit for sticking to what he believes is right and how a team should be played and, and how a team should run. But I, I just think that he had options prior. Now they're at the whim of Stamkos. And I don't think he gets along with Cooper. And he could very well really screw them and have them walk away from nothing from Stamkos in a sense. Kind of reminds me of when Matt Sundin was a pending free agent. And he had the no trade clause, and he kind of didn't he exercise it. Yeah, he just he, they they had a couple of trades for for Sunday, and he he nixed them all. But Man, did really, you get the feeling he really boned them? He, no, he he really really did. Like you get there, and like he's a revered Toronto Toronto as, as he should be, but he did bone them on that. He, yeah, he really really did. Like he could have really set them up for a a, a much easier rebuild. Um, than happened since he left. And, and Stamkos is in, you're exactly right, he's in the exact same situation. He's got a, he can choose to sign whatever contract that that 
Tampa think that he's worth, or he can just say no. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens Feb 28 for all of this mess. I don't think he would um, nix it, though, if it was to a, another playoff team. I just can't see a playoff team having the pieces that Tampa would want. That's fair, but I'm I'm just in this hypothetical. I don't think he would nix it. I think he would go. But yeah, you're right. That's the cap hit. Yeah, like like I I agree with you. Like, well, there is one team. I I think I think. Let me look it up. Yeah. But if you get there, you yep, said the Kings. No. I brought it up before on the podcast, and I think this is where he should sign as a free agent, yep. is uh, Nashville. Right now they have the cap space to trade for him, but I do think that they should be making a run at him anyways. And I think that's a good fit for Stamkos, too. Would, if, if you did get there and you threw Stamkos to the who would you, who would you have going back the other way then? I don't know. I haven't thought it that far that through. I was just thinking of contenders with cap space. But you have a look at that. If you get there and you do that, suddenly you've all of a sudden got your Hanson Stamkos playing one and two in the middle, and then you've got Fisher and and Ribeiro three and four. So that team suddenly becomes awfully deep through the middle, and I would almost mm-hmm. assume probably one of those two players would have to be moved in the deal going back the other way, but you'd still rather have Stamkos and Mike Ribeiro. So it's, yeah, look, I agree. I I, I like that landing place, but I do wonder now that Seth Jones is gone, who else Tampa would have to give up to get, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to, they don't want to move Druin for less than they feel that he's worth. So how the hell are they going to get rid of Stamkos on a trade and feel like they've got comparable back? I just can't see Tampa Bay being happy with it. They're gonna get nothing. He's not re-signing. I don't. I don't think. So they've got to find a team that he agrees to go to to at least get something back. Like that's the problem they've got leaving this where they have is that they've lost all control over what they should expect to come back. Mm-hmm. It's the bit that I find baffling about it, I suppose. But even moving forward, I'm looking at Nashville and Paul, Paul Gostad's 3.25 million comes off the books. Man, is that David Poyle's worst move ever? Trading a first round pick for Paul Gostad and then actually giving him lots of money after? Maybe. But if that's his worst move, that's not too bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, there have been some doozies out there. So, yeah, that's not great. But it's almost off the books. I, I think what Nashville need to do is work out what's going on in their net. They need to work out whether they think Pekka Rene can get back to being Pekka Rene that everyone thinks he is, or whether he's going to be the Pekka Rene of the last three years. He could mark Andre Fleury, that Nashville team. This year, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's, he's been not, he, he hasn't been good at all. No, and, and and they are they've got Carter Hutton, and Carter Hutton is Carter Hutton. You know what you're getting out of him, which is just below average goal in HR goaltending. And you get there and go, okay, that's fine. But if this team needs this team has to get through that goddamn Central Division, 
or play LA in the first round, it's like you've got to have better than what Renee's been providing this year. Who knows? He might turn it around in the playoffs or whatever, but are they going to trust that he's going to be able to do that? Because that's what's been burning them with some of these games. They're going to have to. They trusted to pay him seven mil a year for, I don't know, another three years after this one. So they've, I think they've Pittsburgh Penguins themselves. They're going to have this killer team in front of the net, and the guy in the net is going to burn them in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> there are some similarities there. Uh, Re- Rene, I don't think Rene's been great for a long sample of his career. But he's got a reputation that he's freaking awesome, though. Like, seriously. Yeah, he does. You know, people just expect him to, to just be this awesome goaltender and you, you look at the box scores and you look at the um you look at the you know, last ten games of Nashville and they're all over the place and it usually comes down to what was Renee's safe percentage in, in those games. Yeah, he's that that's a perception is greater than reality situation and it's that's the trouble you run into when you you invest heavily into a goaltender at at in those kind of numbers it's risky business because he he gets paid like a top five goalie Mm -hmm. and i don't think he's ever had a career year where he's been top five goalie if you do the whole rolling averages across his career i don't think he's ever been a top five goalie. Like Fleury's just under top five goalie money, and we know that he's not a top five goalie. Like he is smack bang in the middle of the league. He is league average, right? So Pittsburgh have overpaid in a position that when you do commit, you can't move them. It's it's like it's one of the reasons why you're really big on that whole push to, to bring Murray into the Pittsburgh lineup. It's like I don't know whether like I, I've spoken to a few people who are national fans. They've got a couple of goalies coming through the system. They're not going to be ready for a couple of years. So they, like, you know, you and I both think Murray's pretty much ready now to have a crack at the, the NHL, but their goalies are a couple away. So they are pinned to Pekka, like you said, for a couple more at least. But you might as well try to get a guy like Stamkos if he's a free agent. Do it. No, by all by all goddamn means, do it and, and go balls out and, and just pray that you outscore them because you're not going to out-defend them because Rene's just not up to it. I mean, you're talking about a Predators team that went from Mike Fisher and Mike Ribeiro as your top two centers to potentially Steven Stamkos and Ryan Johansson. Now that is an upgrade. Yeah, like immediately that, that central division should be concerned. Whoever, like wherever they end up, like if they end up, fifth and like that second wild card spot then i don't want to be dallas or chicago because that'll be who they'll have to play if they end up fourth and they end up playing la i don't want to be la either like, there's a dynamic there's a dynamism i can never say that word right, a dynamism about johansson and stamkos that you know the predators have never had how many have though uh, that's, pretty, that's a pretty right? good too 
Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like I look at that pair whilst they're not Crosby and, and Malkin Nobody uh, is equally across, but their effect is exactly the same as what those other two provide. Like having that quality in the middle like you, you have a look at, at how much better Dallas became when they got Jason Spezza so they had a one two punch at center. It just it just shows you how having two top quality first line centers playing one and two changes the dynamic of a team. How much those two players individually can carry the rest of the roster. And that's what Stamkos could do if he went to Nashville. I've no idea what they'd have to give up and, and whether Eisenman would. But even if, it, like you said, it comes to free agency, if I was Stamkos, I would seriously consider going there. Like they're, they're, They are right for the picking right now for a Stanley Cup. Um, they should have traded Weber instead of Jones, but that's a conversation that can't be had anymore. Well, at least for Jones, they got a good a, a good player at a position yeah, but like of need. It, sh- it just shortened their window, that's all. Yeah, it should have been Weber. We've talked about that extensively. Yeah. But... I can't hate what they got in return for Jones. No, no, no by, by, by no stretch am I upset with the return. It, it, it's just you get there and go, if Columbus had traded Johansson for Weber, everyone would be praising Columbus and saying that, that Nashville got hosed. But getting rid of Weber's contract frees up a lot more movement further on down the track. Mm-hmm. And they've lost that movement, like you said. So... Trying to think, uh, who else can afford him if he were to hit free agency? Yeah, there's the. <laughs> Would the Islanders be there's a landing your... spot? Brooklyn. See, that, if if Brooklyn got him, you get there and you go, "Good grief! What a great one-two punch they'll have down the middle." Because although you hear that Jack Capuano doesn't know how to line up his roster, you do get there and go, imagine having Stamkos and Tavares down the middle and having them on the power play together. Like, it just works really well. Would St. Louis consider it, seeing as they might not re-sign David Backers? Like, they're not pushing the cap. I know they might have a slight internal one, but if they really want to get there and go, all right, we've got rid of our captain, we need to make a change, Steven Stamkos to St. Louis for a free agent. Like, there are options out there for him. Yeah, it's not just Toronto. And and I just have to ask the question, why why would he waste the last remaining years of his prime on a rebuilding team? Now, he may accelerate the actual process of the team being better, but his best years will be done by the time that, the earliest that could hit. Hey, well, in theory, his best years are done now. Well, he's 26, so he's kind of yeah. there. Though. He's right at the tail end of it, like right at the tail end of the scoring prime. And and that's... But that's the, the tail end of the top of the peak, though. So Yeah. Oh, and how good he is, for me, statistically, will be determined by how flat a drop that line is off his peak. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what makes Joe Thornton so ridiculously awesome, is that that decline from his peak to what he is now has been so flat... Yeah, I'm You've hoping. Not, I'm, I'm hoping that for Sid. You know, yeah. That, and, Joe Thornton and, is like a really yeah. great standard for how you want to, you know, head into your mid to late thirties. He's he's ridiculous. Yeah. If if you can have the, the flat of that that line on the curve is, 
the greater player you are, I think, for me in regards to longevity. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Stamkos goes, um, trying to prolong that line to be as flat as possible. Oh, well, I guess the other thing about Stamkos that doesn't get talked about, I don't think a lot, is uh, the, the broken leg. I, I'm not so sure he's quite the same dude. He's not. He's, he's not been since he broke that leg. Simple as that. He lost a quarter of a step, um, and he's changed of direction is not as good as it was. Simple. Yeah, that was too bad. That, I hate that stuff. What do you do? Like, it's, it's, it's the problem when you play a contact sport. It can happen, and it sucks when it does. <laughs> yeah, but that was a bad, that was a bad break, literally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that about covers the Stamkos side of things. I mean, there's probably other teams that we forgot. Of course there will be. Who wouldn't want them and can't fit them? Yeah. I, I don't know. This, it will be fascinating to see the, the post-Stamkos articles on this entire saga. In regards to who wins, who loses, all of that stuff. Once this is all decided, it will be hilarious to see what everyone thinks at the end of it. That includes you and me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there is a um, that was a potential UFA that got re-signed in Winnipeg and Dustin Bufflin. It was interesting to kind of wait that process out with the Buffalo lad thing. Were they going to sign both? Neither one turns out so far one. I thought Winnipeg did pretty good with the term. The best they could have. Done. That was everyone's concern. Everyone's concern was how long for. And I know that people will say, geez, he's pricey per year, but you're going to have to pony up if you want him to be shorter terms. I don't have a problem with that term. Or, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, yes. I don't have a problem with the term because you weren't going any lower than that. And what are you going to do? Throw away three top, top end years of a, a really good defenseman? I mean, the last two years are kind of the ones that we're questioning, right? Yeah, and then and you get there and go deal with that there, when that happens. There's an outside chance that he's not bad. Maybe not what he is now, but not a liability either. No, he's really, really good. Yeah, he is. And it will be interesting to see what happens with Winnipeg because right now they are 25th in the league and are 4 and 6 in the last 10. So there's a very good chance that they could fall low enough that they get enough ping pong balls that they end up with. I think they should. And you've locked up your number one defenseman. Yeah, I I think they need to be sellers. I think they oh, need I, to, great. I think I, they I, definitely need to trade Lad. Yep. And um, well, they do need to figure out Truba. He's an RFA. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what I don't know what to do there. I there. Flashes of absolute brilliance from him, and then there are long stretches of mediocrity to Paul. So figure that one out. I mean, they've got some good players. 
But hey, there are some really good pieces in Winnipeg. They're gonna have they're gonna have two really strong goalies in the next couple of years. You've got Hellebuck and Comrie coming through. Um, you've just got to try and work out if you're the front office and the coaching staff what seems to have gone wrong this year compared to last year. Like what what screwed everything up? So I don't know. I if where Winnipeg is right now, if I was Winnipeg, I would consider. Pulling the pin on the year, selling off assets that you are going to regret signing and pony up for the free agent market and be ready for a quality draft. Well, there's really only Andrew Ladd that's a UFA. Ship him. Does this see? No, I no, no, see... I agree. The heat, he's, yeah. they, they, cannot, they cannot give that guy, I think he's looking for six by six. Yeah. Something like that, and I, the team that gives them that, I, that's they are four games. They are four games behind Nashville just to get the wild card, and they've not played. They've not had any, you know, six and two, two sort of streaks for the year, and they've got so many teams they have to leapfrog just to try and. just to try and get there. I mean, if they won, at the moment, if they won the four games that they've played less than Colorado, they won them all, they're still only at 59 points in Colorado and 62. That's that's how far back they are from the playoffs. So to pony up for Ladd to try and make this playoff run for them the X amount of years that they're going to have him for is just, I think, folly. Well, I guess then it bears the question, where does Ladd go? There'd be heaps of teams that would want to have him for the, the short term. It's just what would you want to give up? And I was reading something, it may have been from Pierre Lebrun, I think, about teams not willing to pay that first round price for rentals anymore. Or at least People that, I think, was I, the general I, tone yeah, of that interview. You've got to have, have young talent. Yeah. Yeah, I think more and more teams are understanding you, you just can't trade that first round pick away uh, for rentals year after year. It'll be year. interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see whether the contract structure changes at the next CBA. As far as. Well, if you have a look at it, I think teams are starting to work out you want to try and lock, lock young guys up early so you've got them before they hit. Uh, unrestricted free agency. So it'll be interesting to see whether the older guys want stuff because the older guys are the ones that are going to get pushed out of the league, right? Mm-hmm. It's just sort of it's just sort of how it works. So it'll be interesting to see whether in all of the meetings and stuff that the NHLPA will have leading into the new negotiations, whether they try to get it restructured so the older guys can survive because there are very few. You know, you think about a guy like Matt Cullen, there aren't a lot of guys like him that play for the minimum and contribute. So I'll be interested to see what happens when it comes around to the the new contract structuring. Yeah, I think teams are are doing a little bit better on not giving term to those 30-plus players. I mean, just look at a guy guy like Brad Boys and Lee Stepniak. They're, they they had to like 
claw for a roster spot, and they're productive, both of them, especially Stepniak this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that's an yeah. example of kind of the shift. Those guys wouldn't have had to struggle for the for the money like they are now, even 10, 15 years Correct. ago. So. I reckon five years ago. Yeah, that's, that may be fair too. You know, it, it's only been, it's only been, a, a, it feels like it's, it, there's a lot of teams that have shifted. There are still those that haven't, but there are a lot of teams that are shifting and trying to make sure that they're locking up the young guys early um, and at least getting one or two years of their free agency in, in their contracts um, so that they then can decide whether we divvy up again or whether we just cut and run. Mm-hmm. Um, did you um, want to shift to another central team that you talked about yeah. before the podcast? Oh, Mini. What the hell is going on in Minnesota? Uh, rabbits are trying to fire coaches. Jeez. Oh, Did you see that or no? I just... No? Kanapka had his rabbit. What happened? Zen and Kanapka, the former wild player, um, had his bunny holding his his pet rabbit holding a sign that says, yo must go. Okay. Nice work, Kanopka. <laughs> so like, yeah, they're starting to, t- a lot of talk about, yo, is he the right coach? And he has done a nice job there, but this year they're not pushing play as well as they used to. That's an interesting one. They, you know, um, it's funny because Anaheim have benefited from not panicking, right? Correct. You know, I, you and I both think Montreal should have fired their coach and, and they've gone patient, patient. So the Minnesota one's going to be interesting to see how they go about that. Well, last year, I think can't remember specifically but it seemed like there were some whispers of people saying yo got to be fired because they were losing a lot but they were good last year and and that was strictly the goaltending thing until Dubnik arrived and then they were pretty okay I want to say they didn't they win in the first round over St. Louis I thought they got through to play against Chicago yeah, that wasn't the first round, though, right? No, that was the second. They won the first round, lost the second round. And then Chicago, Chicago beat? Nashville? Nashville. Okay, so Minnesota. Nashville, or I'm sorry, Minnesota beat St. Louis. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty damn good first round win. So they were okay last year. So the, the they lost to the cup champion is what happened. Yeah, that's a good point. So your biggest question, though, is what's wrong and how do you fix it? Because obviously there, there are things that are going wrong. Like you read a lot of quotes 
from articles and stuff, the players, and you get the feeling that the, the, the players are, are lost in regards to finding a solution to do this. They've they've done the whole we work hard thing. They've they've tried to change a few things structurally, um, systematically. Nothing seems to be getting out of that rut. At what point do you get there and go, well, we can't change the entire roster. We have to change the philosophy. Well, here's the problem with Minnesota. They need to be good right now. Yeah, I have no choice. Exactly right, yeah. They are a classic team with a window that they close themselves. Their commitments to Parise and Suter need to pay off now. Like, they they may have drawn those players in because of the crazy 13-year term they gave them for big money. Yeah. But they knew that at the tail end of that, it wasn't going to be great. No. So, what do you do to save this season now, though? Like, do they do they need to bring a, a different style of player in to change up that locker room? Do they do they need to bring a different style of player in to change what goes on on the ice? Like, that's the the challenge that sits there. It's Chuck Fletcher, I think, isn't it? The general manager of of Mini. So that's the thing. Like you read articles that they keep saying, "Oh, the players are waiting for a trade to happen so that the tenor of the team will change." And it's like the players are waiting for it, and the general manager can't find something to be done. Um, that's unfortunate. But if the players are waiting for it, and the general manager sit on his hands. That's just negligent handling of a roster. They're an older team. Yeah, they are. Like, Miko Koivu's on the downhill slide. Underrated for many years, but yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, like, yeah, that, that's not saying that he's bad. It's just that he's, you're not going to get better than what you're getting now. You got Thomas Vanek and Jason Pominville still on the same team. Yeah. Interesting decisions that one. I like Vanek, but that contract was just, ugh. Ah, it's fine. It's only two years. But they got to win now, and it's just, you know. Well, the Vanek contract's an okay win now. Two years, you're paying a little bit of money, whatever. But Parise, who's a really great player, he's not going to be a great player for that contract. So who do they add? Stamkos? <laughs> <laughs> it crossed my mind like two minutes ago. <laughs> how, yeah. to, how to shoehorn that in there, but well done. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's it, it, the thing. It's it's like, yeah, yeah add Stamkos, no worries. But that's not going to save them now because they don't have pieces that Tampa want. So, yeah, have a crack at it at, at the end of the year. But what do they do? To, like, I still cannot work out how Colorado are in the playoffs and Minnesota aren't. And it, and it does show you how this year they're not playing anywhere near as well as last year, like you said earlier. No, they're not. And I don't think the roster's worse than last year. So, you know, maybe that does fall a little bit on coaching. But then again, you know, it's one of those things. Who who Who's the replacement where are you finding yeah. this magic guy? In, if it's not internal, I there's no like free agent coaches out there that 
you just have to have. No, that's exactly right. I just I don't know where you go with it. I, I really don't. And, and you know, if you have a look at Jack Hapuano, he's managed to keep his job. Yeah, that Basma would have been good there. Yeah, Basma would have been good in a few locations, just not Pittsburgh. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if the rabbit's correct. Yo must go. <laughs> that is funny, though. Minnesota, so that Kanapka's got the bunny. They used to have Brent Burns, who has like a mini zoo in his home, from what I gather. I, I completely forget that Brent Burns was a Minnesota Wild. I just... I always thought he just got drafted by San Jose. And whenever anyone mentioned, oh, of course, he wasn't. Yeah, I'm glad he got out of there, too. No no offense to Minnesota, but, like, players get lost up there. Yeah. Brent Burns, I don't think, becomes the, the name guy that he is now if he doesn't leave there. He doesn't become Ned Kelly if he was still in... Mini, I agree. That is the best Bush Ranger beard I've ever seen. <laughs> I think the most hilarious thing is he says that he doesn't know where his teeth are. He takes them out at the beginning of the year, puts them in a drawer, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. Oh, that's... <laughs> Sorry, that is fucking brilliant. It's pretty funny. That's awesome. So... Um... Shall we go back to talking about Pittsburgh? Yeah, why not? Back to, but... We're good at that. Um, yeah, they got some injury issues going on, don't they? They do. And it's it's one of those things where... Uh, what are they, I think they've got 28 games left. And it's like they kind of have to win three out of four the rest of the way to guarantee themselves a... A, a top three spot in the Metropolitan. They don't need to win quite at that rate to make the playoffs. But, you know, second spot in that Metro division is possible. So I don't know why they sh- wouldn't shoot for it. A little less after the regulation loss to New York, whereas they could have been as close yeah. as two points. Now they're five. Yeah, they can't. You can't afford to. It's the thing. Like it's a, it's a blessing and a curse to be playing all of these individual games the rest of the way. But you have to beat the teams you should beat, like they did against Carolina. But you, if you're going to lose to the teams in front of you, lose in overtime. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was a potential tonight. When Carolina tied the game, thought Carolina was the better team. Yeah, you just I'll, don't know how three on three and shootouts are going to go. No, no, it is. It's literally a raffle. It's one of the reasons why I really wish the league would go to a three-two-one system um, for their point scoring. It's like they, they want to get there and in, in, increase five-on-five scoring. Well make a, a game worth three points and trust you. And you've got a team that's got the potential to 
get three points out of a game, they'll go for it instead of settling for the tie. Yeah, the three two one thing's a very obvious change, but they think that there's parity this way. So But there know. is. You're you're right. It, it's parody. It's false parody, but it's parody. The you have a look at how many teams could still make the playoffs, the league does not want to change that at all. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Three two one's the better way. But I mean Malkin out. I it it stinks for the entertainment value of the team. When you combine it with Benino and Fair also being out. And that bumps up Colin to second line. And that bumps up Oscar Sunquist, who is five NHL games into his career. And, and, Kevin, and then Kevin Porter, you know, still has a spot. So Colin played twenty one minutes tonight. Cullen did? Yeah. I I think Matt Cullen's a great signing, and I think he's a good depth player. He I is. I think you're you just asking a little bit yeah. much for second-line center that, 21 That's all minutes. I meant, just to, to prove your point of how how thin the depth's got in the lower half of the roster, is that he's playing 21 minutes in a game that is against a division rival that they have to win. And Sullivan has no choice but to play him 21 minutes. You know what I mean? So it, it, people, I remember early in the year, people are going, why are we signing this old duty? Fourth liner, we should be letting our young guys play all those sorts of things. This is why you sign Matt Cullen. Yeah, age, age is a number. If the player's still producing, which, you know, isn't the norm, but if this specific player is still showing capable signs, then... You know, sign them, and they did, and they're better for it. It's just they need to get guys back so he's not asked to do something unreasonable, which would be play second-line center minutes for a month. Well, I suppose I suppose the thing for me is that whatever's wrong with Juno, I want him back, but I want him back healthy, right? I don't want him back at, at, at 75%. I want him back at, like, 90 95%. So... If they go 500 without Gino, but Gino's back for the last 20, and the Penguins go, you know, 15 and five or something like that over the last, they'll make the playoffs. They'll make it with a healthy Gino. So it's a tough one for me because you're right. One entertainment value wise, uh, Gino Machino is your number two center or Matt Cullen. I think we know what the preference is to watch. Um, but in the long run, it's like if Pittsburgh want to make any noise in the playoffs, they, they need a healthy Malkin. They don't need the Malkin from last year who was crippled. They need a healthy Malkin. I think they've done quite well without him, all things considered, uh, results-wise. Three three and two, and a lot of that has to do with Sid being a freak. But they lose to Tampa Bay the, the first game after Malkin's out. They get incredibly fortunate to pull out the Florida game because Crosby and Latang played their asses off at the end. They beat the crap out of Anaheim. And then, obviously, the Rangers game was... Um, they, they had no push. The Rangers just kind of suffocated them. Uh, but to pull out the um, shootout win tonight against Carolina, who outplayed them, 
this stretch of games could have been way worse record wise. Yes. No. But it and hasn't the, been. So the thing that's funny is that their core players, the ones that are getting paid the big bucks, stepped up. It's like Crosby and Latang stepped up, carried them for a couple of games. Fleury actually won that game for them tonight against Carolina. So if they can carry the load, they might be able to carry that bottom six. But that bottom six is I, I, I know people appreciate the the work ethic and and you know the tenacity that those guys have shown but their tangible results have been pretty pretty awful i looked up on hockey db after the game tonight because i was just uh, you know two games in a row rangers and carolina they went five almost five periods without scoring yeah and some of those lines i mean yeah sometimes they buzz around on a cycle, but like they're never really truly attacking certain areas. And, you know, it kind of motivated me to look something up after the game. And I don't know if tonight's game was part of um, the stats on hockey DB. I don't know how quick they update things, but the combined offensive output of the AHL call-ups for Pittsburgh this year. So uh, Connor Sheary, Kevin Porter, Scott Wilson, Oscar Sundquist, Brian Rust, and Thomas Kuhnhackel, they've combined for 100 and th- 103 games, and they have three goals and nine nine points. Yeah, I don't think that's a lot. <laughs> that's that's not good. I mean, no. that's that's pretty bad. But the, the thing for me, you're exactly. Right, they need to have more goals and assists. They need to have something up on the scoreboard for it. They're not getting caved in, though. And I can no, kind of deal with that. In the small sample, um, for some of these guys, you're you're right. It's 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 not like they're not getting kicked in. No. But as somebody that watches the sport for entertainment value, I, um, it it's not there. Oh no! Hey, not getting kicked in and being fun to watch are two very, very different things. I fully get that. It's like you you almost want to watch the game like in the whole be a pro mode in EA Sports because you just have the game turn back on when Crosby or Malkin are on the ice. Well, some of them aren't getting kicked in. Kevin Porter is, but whatever. Everybody says it's really funny. It feels like a lot of the people that report on the Penguins are all over Porter saying how great he's been, but you look at the numbers of what he provides and it's not there. And to be honest, when I watch the games, my eye test says I don't see what everyone else sees about him. I can see that Rust and Wilson play really well together. I see that Porter just sort of is out there. Like, I don't see him really contributing too much. So, I don't know. He's got three assists in 33 games. And he's the worst forward possession player on the team. So, he's Craig Adams. He is. Hooray. It's nice to see Kessel score, though. Yeah. And um, I know that the... Goal scoring, kind of not where I think some people thought it would be with him. It's not, it's not where I thought it would be. I 
I wasn't as bullish as some people. I, I predicted he would be lower than 40, I, and I, I don't believe that's a bold prediction by any means, but some people were talking like 40, 45, 50, and it's like, really? There's really I nothing there. I legitimately thought there'd be 40. Um, but I'll say this about him. People are starting to kind of get on him for the perceived lack of goal scoring and maybe actual because we're both agreeing that he's probably not where um, either of us thought he'd be, right? Even yeah, on a conservative. But he does have 15 points in 17 games. So, like, that's pretty it good. It's production. Yeah. And I just I just wonder whether his shooting percentage will get back to his career average. That's probably because it's not like he's not shooting. It's just not going in. And we saw what happened when Sid suddenly got on a hot streak and was shooting at like twenty five percent. It looks like he can't miss. So if that happens with Kessel and he keeps shooting the puck, then they will come in bunches. Yeah. He um that goal tonight, I mean, wasn't great on Ward, but he just took the puck quickly, released it off a stick, nice, hard, um, put it on net and caught the goalie off guard. I think, I think he had, um, he had a ridiculous amount of, uh, shot attempts tonight. 14 shot attempts, seven on goal. Yeah. 14 individual shot attempts is like a lot. <laughs> and yeah, seven yeah. on goals, 50%, but like, that means he has the puck a lot, and that's good. Phil Kessel having the puck a lot is good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was. Um, I don't think he's a lazy player at all. I think sometimes no. he's. I think sometimes he's ineffective. But this narrative that, you know, you if you listen to Toronto people, that he's somehow lazy. I I don't agree with that one. I do think at times no, he's think, very very ineffective at, yeah. at certain things, but I don't think it's for lack of effort. He he could be uh, um, he could have a little bit more physicality about him along the board, but not lack of effort. Then yeah, he's got he's got drive through the puck more. You, like, you could you could make the case that there are situations on the ice that he's scared. In particular situations, he just physically doesn't want to go there. I'm not saying he's soft, but there are there are situations where he goes to do something and you see him flinch, and, and then all of a sudden that, that that moment's gone, but then the puck's gone. So, because obviously hockey is so freaking fast, you blink for a second and then the puck disappears. So there are just situations where I look at Kessler and it's like he's not scared of contact. I think there are just locations on the ice where he doesn't like contact and I don't think he likes being mushed up against the boards and I don't blame him for that but it makes him flinch when he's going in for some of the board board battles like if he's third man in he's great along the boards but if he is the guy on top of the puck without doubt he's not good can't disagree with that assessment at all actually and you know, it kind of plays into the fact of how few games he's missed. Oh, there are bonuses to the, the, the avoidance of physical contact. Don't get me wrong. No, but I'm saying he does not get hurt often. No. And I, you know, I think that's part of it. 
But 15 points, 17 games, that's that's pretty good in my book. If he ran that from game one all the way through, no one would be complaining about Kessler. But nobody ran like that from game one except for Gino. Yeah, that's that's incredibly true, and that's why it cost the, the man his job. I think... Um, I think with Phil, I think the interesting thing is that that Mike Johnston bailed on Sid and Kessel six games into the year, but you know I just don't understand why they they, outside of the power play they they don't see any time together. And I know the that lately um, Hornquist and Sid and Kunitz have been a very good line. But tonight, during three-on-three overtime, I, I believe they still had a timeout, or did they use it? Oh, I can't remember. I just know they didn't put Sid and Kessel together. They put Sid and Haglund together. Which is fine. I get I get it at the beginning, because you want yeah. without Malkin, you know, you got Phil on the one line, Sid on the other. You got two speedsters. Um but when you get to that halfway point in overtime and you have that timeout, at some point, don't you put your eggs in your basket and just go for it? And going oh, for would, it with I, tonight's roster yeah. would be Crosby, Latang, Kessel. Yeah, Especially I, I, on a I, night I, where he had 14 shot attempts himself. And he's got the only goal you got in regulation. That too. 14 shot attempts... When you're on the ice, like just from your team alone, that's that's an okay night, not a great night, but like okay. The fact that it's an individual number, I mean, come on. <laughs> Look, I, I suppose the only concern you can have is don't I, I can't trust Kessel and Crosby together because they're so aggressive that Kessel's going to leave himself out of position. One of them's going to work their tail argument. off back with their to... speed, though. And oh, Latang's oh. out there, too. You're never really going to get caught caught. Well, like, almost got caught caught, except Latang got back. Like, it was, well, that was well, one of the things. That's the thing. Exactly. All three of them, between the three of them, somebody's going to be back. It may be Phil yeah. Castle skating backwards on a two-on-one, which would be kind of... That would be good entertainment. If yeah, Phil you know, had, coach, if Phil had to take the two-on-one <laughs> in a three-on-three well, overtime. I'll say this. John, John, uh, Johnson had that team playing not to lose. Sullivan has that team playing to win. But there are still situations where I think they got closer and closer to the end of that overtime and the players started playing like, we don't want to lose the second point rather than let's win the second point. And that's why it ended up basically being down in out in front of Fleury for the last half of the I think it was the last minute of the game. It felt like it was just don't go. I just don't go and get to the shootout. And and that's hockey is such a game of coin flips at times that if you have that slight change in attitude, those bounces don't go your way. No bounces. Just never know. Mm. All 
Oh, you know what I noticed? Um, I read today that it didn't took me a bit to kind of connect the two things. So Monday, Pittsburgh is playing the Florida Panthers on February 15th. Do you know what significance that day has for that matchup? No. It is Yammer Yager's birthday. Hey, he'll be forty-four. So I, it, I know, right? I, but I, I just thought it was interesting. Like, oh, good, Pittsburgh's playing Florida. I'll, you know, great. I love watching Yager in a game. I'm like, wait a second, that date seems familiar. And I looked it up, and yep, birthday. Sure enough. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Forty-four guys, amazing. Oh, it's just it's a little embarrassing as a 36-year-old male watching him do what he does. Yeah, he um, he's committed to it, though. Yeah. Did you know that there are only five teams in the Western Conference with a plus goal differential? What? Five teams? Five teams in oh the West. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at it have, now. That's a lot of red. Have a plus differential. That's it. LA, so San you, Jose. Anaheim will. The, yeah, but they don't at the moment. They will. They're they're playing better. Right? Because I look at... You, you, correct. They are, because I, I look at Colorado, Nashville, and, and Minnesota. They're the three teams I think are playing for those two wildcard spots. I can't see Vancouver. I could be wrong. I just, I just can't see Vancouver getting well, not, it together enough with some of the injuries that they've just incurred. <laughs> now with Listen, Sutter out, come on. Moving, moving on, <laughs> I can't see with the way Nashville's going, them winning games 6-4. They're going to lose it like... When they lose, they seem to be losing two goal games because they're having empty netters. Like, I can't see that goal differential getting any better for them. I can't see it with Colorado. So I think we're going to end up in the in the West with teams on a negative goal differential going in and probably with a record below 500 going into the playoffs because I refuse to accept OT losses as a, a win. So, I mean, Nashville are 25 and 30. You know what we didn't... I forgot to mention that Stamkos scored with less... Stamkos scored with less than a minute left tonight against his future team. To put it in over... There you go. (laughs) Stamkos scored on Nashville in the last minute of the game on a huge slap shot up on that... uh, A little bit above the left circle... And uh, Tampa Bay actually pulled that game out. There's, they're the guys. So he's showing off for his, his new team, right? <laughs> exactly. Hey, exactly. guys, look at how great I am. What do you say? <laughs> Come on. No, but yeah, it's was... funny that you mentioned that those goal differentials, there's just a ton of red in the Western Conference and – Look, it's not. Look, it's not Pittsburgh's much better. Pittsburgh's only plus two. Yeah, it's not much better in the East. It's just that it, it highlights how 
bad things can get for teams goal differential wise. You lose a couple of games in blowouts in a you know in a bad run where you're like two five and four or something like that or two five and three and and your goal differential can be shot. Now we're, in, we're we are entering crunch time for the playoffs. There, some some of these teams are falling out way way too far to to make up for it. You know, Montreal's probably one of those teams that's already too far past. And they actually have a plus goal differential, but that had to yeah, do with their ridiculous start. Montreal is host. They, they just lost 6-4 to Buffalo. And they're still a plus three goal differential. So, like, they're, they're sliding there. I would put Carey Price on the shelf. They, they did. Um, have they officially said that? Or are there just hints he's, that he's not he's coming out. back? No, he's out. They, okay. they, they may not have officially said it, but a lot of uh, reputable sources say he's, he's done. And here's the problem with... Here's the problem with... MCLs and, and meniscus and all that sort of stuff. You can get there and try and rehab it and rehab it and rehab it, but if it doesn't come around, you always sit there and wonder, shit, should we have cut the knee open and cleaned it up or tightened it up and then got him back out there? He's probably going to have to have surgery anyway. They might as well put him on the shelf, cut him open, and then just get him ready for next year. Yeah, they went with the, the Mike Condon experience a little bit too long. And has, they've had 30th had they, overall goaltending. I mean, we've covered, we, we covered this topic extensively yeah. last week, but, you know, they, 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 they're not a bad team, and they let the no. goaltending go to shit. Yep. Yep. They Pittsburgh themselves. Yeah, but, you know, their guy wasn't in. But it's not unreasonable to, to think that, like, replacements – won't be n- near average. That's all you want. That's that's all you as as what you think a hockey team could be constructed with. That's all you've ever asked for. It's just average goaltending. So just nine seventeen, I think it is this year, or is it nine twenty one? I can't remember what average is classed as for, for this year. Strength or yeah, even strength. It's usually nine twenty one with like a. I've seen it as high as nine twenty three and as low as. I think 921, so, it, it, you know, it's there. Yeah. If you get 917 from your backup, your team should still be able to win. They're getting below 900 at five at even strength, aren't they? During that losing streak, yeah. Yeah. And and that's what cooked their season. And and the, the refusal to do anything about it quickly and then thinking Scrivens was the answer, you know, it's just a little bit... Ugh. Well, Scrivens didn't have to be the, the quote-unquote answer, but he's been playing better than Condon, right? Yeah. And that's what they but that, That's not a high bar, as you like to remind me, with Fleury at times. Well, Fleury at the beginning of this year was like Locked clearing out. that bar by a ton. Yeah. And, and tonight, he's the only reason they won. Mm, exactly. But, yeah, he, he had a little bit of a regression streak there. <laughs> but you know they all do outside of Lundqvist pretty much <laughs> probably throw Holtby and Schneider up there in that in that little 
triplet of um, what you said. But yeah, I agree. It, it's and, one of those. And Jonathan things. Quick, the best goalie ever. <laughs> or or not. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that one. Um, anything else you want to discuss? Um, you, you I, just had mentioned you wanted to um, mention something about Carlson. I, do, I, I know we discussed this last week, but I don't understand why I'm starting to see articles from traditional media types come out and say, I want to vote for this guy or I want to vote for this guy. Basically, I want to vote for any guy apart from Eric Carlson. And the argument that he's no good in his own zone is a lot of crap. And some of the people that they're trying to pay should get the Norris ahead of Carlson. It's just like, no. They've got flaws in their game too. If they're not able to produce offense at a particularly good clip, but they do other things well, that doesn't mean that that makes them more deserving of the defenseman. You still want to be able to score with your defenseman on the ice. Otherwise, you might as well make a defensive defenseman award and a Norris award. And the Norris isn't about the defender that creates the most offense. It's just that usually when they're creating that offense, well, the goalkeeper doesn't have to do any work. So that's a good thing. I just don't, I don't get it. And to blame Ottawa's goals against on Carlson on that roster, it's like saying that everything that goes wrong on that team is his fault. Then you're making the case for the MVP of the team. Not it's uh, as you can tell it frustrated. Somebody tweeted out something today that I think Dowdy has something like eleven or twelve even strength points on the year. Stephen Birch. And what was it, Steve? Um, yeah. Naturally, that would be a Steve tweet. Yeah, he's good, he was, he's good he with this, that stuff. He um, had this awesome long list of tweets in regards to 11 points at 5 on 5. Well, it's he's not like, going to be a short list of tweets with Steve. No, it was brilliant. There were all these things in regards to there's like seven or eight people that rank ahead of, of Drew Doughty for a whole heap of statistics, and a couple of the names are, are like, oh, okay, so if you're going to think that Doughty's worth the Norris you've got this name and this name and this name in front of him. And it's just like, it just debunked the article. It was Kevin Allen's the one that I think that I finally flipped my lid when I saw the article and just went, you're just talking out of your freaking ass. But like Dowdy had 11 or 12 even strength points on the year and Carlson has 13 since January 1st. Yeah. It's just, like, you, come on. You've just got to contextualize Actually, you shouldn't even have to contextualize what Carlson's done. He's second in scoring in the league. Is he? Well, that, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Well, I'm not going to doubt you. You just made me doubt myself when you said that. <laughs> well, it's just, I'm saying is he because it's a ridiculous that um, a defenseman would even be there. No, you're right. He's tied for second with Ben. Yeah. So, so just to put that into some context, like when Paul Coffey was scoring all of those points, he wasn't second in the league in scoring. And he was winning Norris trophies. So I don't understand why in this day and age, in an era where offense is not impossible and you've only got a few people that are able to, to, to do it so well, that we're suddenly you know, knocking him for being able to produce it. He's ridiculous. 
He is. He's he's unreal, and he is not terrible in his own zone. No, not at all. Uh, the, uh, it, you're right, and and you know what the other thing is, and I don't want to make generalizations. But you will. I'm, I'm, I'm basically going to do just that. <laughs> but you got mainstream media, and they're kind of on the entry level of analytics. So I think some of them are going to look strictly at Corsi alone and see that Dowdy's Corsi is like ridiculously awesome, which it is, mm-hmm. and not take into any effect like team effects and how relative it is to his other teammates. And they're going to look at Carlson. Like, Dowdy's going to be up at that 58 it's not a team that's, or it's not a something team that's like, like that. 55%, are they? Like, yeah, so he's, he's, yeah. he's going to be at, like, 58% or so. And... Carlson's going to be at 52, and if, you know, you don't have a handle on relative versus raw and that kind of stuff, and you're just, like, I think some of these mainstream guys are just at their wit's end hearing about Corsi, and now they're kind of, okay, fine, I'll accept it. Okay, Corsi, here it is. This guy has a higher Corsi than this guy, and it's like, well, you know, contrary to your belief, people have been using constant context with that stat for a long time and we don't treat it like a war stat in baseball no and eric carlson if mainstream guys are going to start to do the coursey thing but not kind of understand that it's not a standalone then i can see where the drew dowdy stuff's coming from it, it it's probably based on um rudimentary level it's just one of those things where if you've got a player that's got a Corsi of 48 but the rest of the team is you know at 41 it's like how much better than the rest of his team is he he can't drag that entire team forward and it's like if if Drew Doughty has got a a Corsi a Corsi 4 of like 51% but his team's at, at like 54 or 55 not that that's the case you know what I mean it's like so yeah Doughty's is higher but it's worse relative to his team. So he's actually dragging his team's performance down, whereas the other one, Carlson, is dragging his up when he's on the ice. So I don't I don't understand. Every, all of these stats have to be taken in context. Otherwise, they are just numbers. Of course, he's not a God particle. We've said no, that a million times. Exactly. And if you don't give the numbers context, they have no meaning. And it, it, it's one of the things with that I, I obviously – you know, you and I are big fans of Micah. It's one of the, the things that's great with his graphs is that it gives you that visual contextualization of what the numbers mean relative to the comparables. So you can see what's going on. It's like those um, unblocked shot differential charts that, that, that Mike has been flipping out lately are, are awesome because you can see where a team has progressed in, in large chunks of the year from where they were um, 10 games ago to where they are now, you can go, holy crap, my team's getting shots through to the net now. No wonder they're looking better. Or, oh, my goodness, my team can't get shots through the net like they used to. No wonder they're not able to score. Um, the thing that you've got, you, you want coaches to do is see those numbers and go, all right, how do we fix that problem? That's the thing. Like You can give them the numbers, 
But if the coaches just look at them and go, all right, so we're not getting shots through, but they have no idea how to fix that problem, they're not the coach you want. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad we got got to say that, though, because, like, you know, I even see guys like John Buchigras. Doughty's my Norris pick, and it's like, do you even have a fucking clue? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I feel like he's riding reputation with his yeah. NHL coverage. I, I've got no doubt of his, his... I don't doubt his college hockey stuff, but he just part-time... I don't know. I do. I played college hockey, and I don't even get that jazzed up for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all right. I like it. Like, D1, we have RIT here. I, I think those games are better than the Rochester American games, but, like, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm not touching that subject. Moving on. Moving he's, on. He's corny as shit. There. He is. He is. He said it. Fucking dangle stand. I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Anything else? Uh, we'll wrap it up after fashion, butcher grass. That's fine. Love the passion for the sport. Just... There's, there's no, yeah, not doubting that. <laughs> so I, sh- I should say that I, I, I don't like, I don't like being super critical of people that have passion for the sport and try to spread the love of the sport. And I do think he, he does that. So, we we just disagree on the analysis part of the actual sport at times. So. Actually, we'll, we'll end it on a little bit more of a positive note. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to drag this thing down. What the hell is Harry <laughs> Bettman trying to say that he thinks the freaking NHL TV stuff, the NHL.com changes, everyone's complaints are about the fact that it's just changed? No, the site's fucked. Just, <laughs> Hold just on. Can, can I interrupt you before you go on your rant? Yeah. Did, did we talk last week about hockey streams? We didn't say that it left. Actually, I don't think we did, yeah. Okay. Okay, so we didn't cover that. No, I don't think so. Oh, we could have gone off on that. I mean, who says we don't right now? Um, Okay, I'll say this. Me and Cameron were were both customers of Hockey Streams and um, quite happy, right? I don't want to speak for you, but... You... Oh, as a, as a rule, I was. Towards the end, it started to get a bit what? choppy. Okay, but... I'm not talking about the end when you could tell it was going down the drain. Oh, prior to that, yes, very, very happy. You're exactly That's right. The best hockey product out there, right? Yep. For I'm in the United States, you're in Australia. I feel as though people in Canada would, or, or anywhere on Earth would feel the same way. And... and you know, me and you both knew the the consequences of, um, you know, the quote-unquote donation to a site. So I'm not mad they shut down and no. I had a season thing going because um, I have no problem paying for quality products. And quite frankly, I paid for Game Center coming out of the lockout. They had that deal, you know, yeah. to kind of make up for the fans or whatever. And, and, and I... I bought that product and I thought it was such dog shit that I 
I did not go back to them. And third-party sites only exist because the... Okay, I should say this. Third-party sites that charge, you know, at least 75 to 80% of the actual product... They only exist because the actual product is crap. Like, I understand the pirating thing. Yeah, that's always going to exist because people don't want to pay at all. But for hockey streams, people were paying, like... for the year compared to the 160-ish, I I think, for Game Center. Like, people are willing to pay the money for for quality product. And, you know, you get into black, like, the antiquated blackouts and... The The fact that I've not watched a stream yet on NHL TV that hasn't just flat out stopped on me since I've had to buy it to watch the sport shows you how bad a product it is. Whereas when hockey streams, like you said, before it was becoming obvious that it was going to die, um, before then I could watch a game and it would run perfect. It would just and any through. device, mind you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it's, it's the thing. It's, it's like... The other thing is they're beta testing us right now. What they've done is they've got there and said, we'll give you, we'll, we'll give this product to you for the rest of the year for 40 bucks, right? But we're paying them to be their beta test dummies until next year. Don't, don't do something like this in the middle of the fucking year. Wait till you get to the end of the year and then, then make the changes. You don't do it now because you're going to get to the point where you're going to get really important games where their servers are not going to be able to handle the load because everybody's going to be watching those games because that's their problem. And it's just like... You know what the other thing is that's just a steaming pile of shit about that product? What, there's no rewind? No, not... I, I haven't gotten the NHL TV, so I don't even know what features they've stripped away from like the basics of what well, it used to be. The archive's gone, so all of those people doing all their statistical stuff at the moment, they're all fucked. Oh, I thought immediately of someone like uh, Jean-Luc Costella, yeah. who does just unreal yeah, work yeah. based on archives and studying and documenting and tracking past games. And, and she, someone like her doesn't have access to the games anymore, and that's just absolutely ludicrous, and it sets back... And that's her livelihood too. But that's that's the other thing with it. It's like she paid for a product. They've gone and changed that product now. And she is paying the same amount that she would have been from the start of the year for a product that is worse, substantially worse, because there's no archiving there for her to do what she does. Like Just the, the sheer pig-headedness and arrogance of the way this has been delivered. And, they don't and even have a true life feed, a third-party had an actual true live feed where you could watch the game and can participate on Twitter. The actual f- league itself can't even have a true live feed. It's like two minutes, three minutes behind. It's. I just, I don't, I do not understand how they can get this so wrong. To me, look, this might just be me because I'm, I'm in Australia, but it feels to me as though hockey is very much an online community in regards to discussion of the sport, whether it be uh, Reddit well, message boards for the, or, or for, Twitter. For the same reason that hockey 
is kind of hurt by socioeconomics for participation in the sport as far as like playing yeah and stuff um it kind of lends itself in that regard to um kind of the internet presence on the yeah. opposite end of it and just you, you you can't have such a like the ability to to rewind 10 seconds or 30 seconds in a game that's gone at the moment the ability for you to pick and choose what quality stream you want to have so it stays consistent the whole way, that's gone as well. So it auto-chooses what rate it wants to spit at you. And it's like, if I can choose the bit rate that I used to be able to choose, then it'll just stay where, where it is. And I don't have to worry about people turning into pixelated blobs. It's um The inability to be able to listen to the radio broadcast over the top of the of the video broadcast, that feature was supposed to be coming in on this update, and it hasn't. Well, they can't even get people watching games. No, that's exactly right. Like, I, I feel pretty fortunate in that the streaming issues I was having in regards to could not watch the games at all have been relatively fixed, whereas over in the States or North America, it's just not working. I just think it's, like, funny that NHL's so worried about it. Now, I don't blame the NHL for shutting hockey streams down. I, no, I think no, no, it's no, absolutely I, yeah. appropriate, to be honest with you. Yeah, totally I just think it's that. funny that they shut it down while not having their shit in order in their own house. Oh, like, I think it's and Like, if you're going to shut somebody down at least have your shit together to where people can actually watch the game, whether it's on a, a 15 minute delay, like it feels like <laughs> or not. They don't even have the bare minimum down right now. And to tell somebody else, like you can't do this. <laughs> those people are probably like, well, shit, man, you can't do it either. The, the other thing is like, you used to be able to watch a 10-minute highlight version of the game, right? The or condensed, a, condensed, right? Yeah, condensed, it's gone. Is it? it? It's gone in that they're not 10-minute or 12-minute condensed versions of the games. They're four or five. They, all they've done is they've extended the highlights version. Instead of it being two or three minutes, they've extended it to about five or six. So you, you barely see – like I, I love watching goaltenders, right? So you don't see many quality saves anymore because they're not – they're not frequent enough for a four or five minute highlight package. You know what I mean? So the, the, the bonus of that 10 minute condensed was you got a feel for whether the goalies were playing any good. You don't get that in that five or six minute. Well, you watch a sixth of the game, the best yeah. sixth of the game. And inevitably they try to skew it so that every game looks like there's offense. Some of the highlights you see in some of these shortened versions, you're just like, why is that even in there? Like there wasn't in anything. It's like, because some of the games are just so boring, and that's not the NHL's fault. That's just how it is. But when no, you're scrapping, I was trying to avoid that part of the conversation. Penalties. <laughs> We're going to so, go three hours tonight. Yeah, I just I don't know. I the, I I love this sport, but good God, the people that that present it to the fans shoot themselves in the foot. So many times, it's just baffling. Yeah. 
Right, so bummer. my rants are over. Yeah, but bummer, bummer about hockey streams, even though, like, I get it. I do. I really do. Yeah. I'm yeah. not, like, up. I'm not MFing the, the NHL for shutting it down. Yeah. I'm MFing them because they can't even put out a product where people that paid can even watch it right now. And that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yep, totally agree. That's that's like the lowest of the low. But there are still streams <laughs> out there. I know, shocker. But <laughs> like they're you said, out there, and I'm gonna use them. Until, um, you know, the, the thing is, I would give the NHL their $160 right now if they could just give me hockey streams. But give it to the actual league. Yeah, you know, they, no, no, they, I know. They should just, they should ask hockey streams, hey, how'd you do this? Because this is really good. And then, every, and as long as you didn't, like, stick with this blackout horse shit, You'd make money hand over fist. People are willing to pay. Yeah, I, the the blackout thing is interesting for me because I have a feeling a lot of it's got to do with deals already signed. So they need to have guarantee that people are going to not watch the TV. So I get the blackout. I don't blackout. know. The NFL uh, just lost um, a lawsuit over that. I believe that that football blackouts are over. Then the NHL won't be far behind in that sense. Someone will go and put a case in and go, here you go, precedent, and they should win it. I think the NHL actually offered um, online packages this year that was only in the home market. You wouldn't, it would be a hockey, it would be Game Center or NHL TV, whatever you want to call it, and only your home market. So they're already starting to shift the rules. I don't know. The the NHL just seems to be slow turning its wheels when things change. And it, it, it's just... Just frustrating. That's all. You know, I like I like the sport. I, I, I mainly like what we see on the ice. There are definite tweaks if, if the league really thought about it hard that would improve the quality of the product and they're not even outlandish. It's just called the rule book as it is. And you get to stuff like this in regards to the delivery of the product and you don't exactly encourage people to pay you money to watch it when you, you do things like this. Nope. So, you know, I guess that's our little thank you to hockey streams for treating us like uh, actual customers. For change, yeah. And I know ethically, you know, it's suspect. But I own it. Yeah, so, you're not, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I understand the other end of the argument. People are like, ugh, you know, you can't do that. It, you're, it's illegal, blah, 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 blah. A lot of blah, blahs, in my opinion, for that. Um, I'd, I would love to give the NHL my money for a product, but um, they don't provide one right now. And I'm on Twitter for these games, and the fact that I can find streams post 
hockey streams that are more true live than an actual NHL.TV feed, if it even works. Um, I find it remarkably pathetic. Yeah, that is wrong. That's, there's no two ways about that. That shouldn't be the case. So, do we want to end a, uh, on a positive note? Do we have any positive notes out there? No. <laughs> All right, I got a positive note. Please do. So my daughter um, wants a Penguins jersey. So actually, I'm giving her the. Uh, I went on eBay and found one in her size that was, you know, not an arm and a leg. It's actually uh, a <laughs> Pittsburgh, the diagonal Pittsburgh uh, Snoop Dogg oh, gin and juice jersey. So the '93, cool. I don't know if it's going to have enough penguin in it. It's got the shoulder patches, but she may be pissed because she wants the penguin on it. She's like, like, Dad, your your penguin's jersey. It's got the penguin. I like the penguin. Give me a penguin's jersey. I'm like, all right, well. But um, she did, however, wear, um, I don't even know how I still have the shirt, but um, it's like a, a an adult medium, which, by the way, that that is, you know, we're talking high school years since that's been my size. Yeah. It, it, it's um, um, early, uh, a legitimate early 90s, pittsburgh t-shirt with the the pittsburgh gold and everything and uh it's actually a jersey from back in the day uh mario lemieux and she wore it to school apparently her teacher was really impressed he's like you know he's that that guy's really one of the best ever that's what she said to me i'm like i know (laughs) i know i know i grew up with it uh but yeah so there's the there's the positive note i'm not I'm not even pushing the penguins on her. That this was her choice. Oh, uh, very nice. So, yeah, she doesn't have the jersey yet. We'll, I'll report back next podcast on whether, um, you know, this doesn't have enough penguins on it. Yeah, but well, you've done all right to get her to be a penguins fan when you've not pushed it on her. But dear, this was in the gin and juice video. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Uh, so it'll be fun to see see that jersey running around the house. Hopefully, hopefully it's met yeah. with uh, positivity, which I think it will. So, hopefully. So, yeah, and um, you know, no shortage of topics coming up on the podcast with the trade deadline coming. So we're we'll. We'll, at the very least, spit out tons of speculation, but most likely we'll have some tangible traits to talk about. So You'd think uh, so. So we do look forward to that. So, um, yeah, we'll be back soon, and uh, trade deadline, so that'll be fun. So until next time, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron.